Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. All right, so um, thanks, first of all, for those of you who are playing, and those of you who forgot to play, now you know what happens on the Sunday that's closest to Halloween. We are all dressing up, okay? We're becoming someone else. My name is Jean Baer. Um, I was given that name by um, a three-year-old many, many years ago who couldn't pronounce my name and ended up calling me Jean Baer. And um, probably into uh, their teenage years. And I was just Sean Bear because I was always a bit on the heavier side. And uh, so it's, um, it was simple for them to imagine me being the bear. And so Sean Bear shows up once in a while before I go into hibernation for sure. <clears throat> so let me um, tie into the talk today a little bit of Halloween. And I'm not entirely sure. I'm, I'm not familiar with tradition of Halloween as it's celebrated or, or practiced here in the United States. In Switzerland, we don't really have um, Halloween. Uh, probably nowadays we have, but when I grew up, we really didn't. Um, we celebrated the next day, All Saints Day. But there is a connection to some Celtic tradition the day before All Saints Day, which is all about letting go. It's actually about scaring off the things that no longer serve us in our lives. And that, in a spiritual sense, that's what Halloween could be about, if we wanted it to be. To say, you know, let's dress up and scare off all the bad spirits that we hold on to in our lives and let them be free and let them return to where they originally came from so that we are free to truly be who and what we are. And so my talk on uh, there is no denial, if I got this thing to work with my gloves on here, there you go, pause, there you go. A few weeks ago I stopped kind of like at that point where I was talking about Stephen Covey's circle of concern concept. And there's really three circles. And that has a lot to do with psychology, yes, but actually it has also very much to do with our spirituality. There's three circles. The outer circle is our circle of concern, which really includes everything, a wide range of concerns. Concerns, you know, about what happens in the Middle East right now, in the Ukraine, concerns about um, societies or uh, what's happening with the world, concerns about nature and things like that, far, far away usually. And then we have a, a, a closer circle, which is the circle of influence, the concerns we can do something about it. This, these are all the things where we are, have concerns and we can do something about it. So for example, we might be concerned about where this church is going in the future, once we leave here and move into a new space. 
but we are not completely out of control of that. We can actually do something about it. We can continue to participate in the community because a spiritual community is not the building, but the community, right? So we can do something about it. We have some influence over it, even though we may not feel we have complete control over it. And then there is the smaller circle, the inner circle, which is really the circle of control. That's about all the things that we have control over. And I really like what Rodney was saying, his reflection on the prayer, the fall program, the class and prayer that we took. In Unity Affirmative Prayer, we learned that we have a lot more control over our lives than we often believe we have. So we learn very gradually, rather than to give up that control to an outside entity, whether we call it God or something else, doesn't matter, but up, giving up control, whether it's to another person, to society, to another group, or God, or Krishna, or Buddha, doesn't matter. The giving up control is often what happens when we pray or meditate in a way that does not recognize that we have a lot more control over our own lives. In affirmative prayer, we learn that there is more for us to do than we often believe. So, it's very small down at the bottom. What we cannot control or influence, we need to let go of. So, if we don't have influence over it, and we cannot control it, what Stephen Covey is saying here, let, don't waste your time. Let it go. Does that mean we shouldn't have our hearts go out to the people in the Middle East? Of course not. But does it mean that we shouldn't um, worry about it to a degree where it starts affecting our lives so much that we start getting down a really dark and dangerous path? Maybe. So it's the idea of understanding what do we have control over, what do we have influence over, and what is within our concern, but ultimately there's nothing we can do. And again, in spirituality, that is relevant as well. In the unity, we believe that we have a lot more control over than many of us believe. And then finally, we need to focus our energies on what we can control and influence. So that's a very simple um, idea that Stephen Covey had very many years ago. There's another graph that ties into that whole idea. When we are reactive, when we react to things, that's usually when our animal brain, you know, the, the small part on our brain, not the frontal lobe, the, the thinking brain, but the reacting brain, when that is triggered and we are reacting, usually out of fear, what happens is that our circle of influence is being reduced because we're no longer thinking clearly. We're just reacting because we're reacting, we're scared, or we're trying to defend ourselves. So by being reactive, what happens, we are actually reducing the circle of influence and the circle of control to such a minimum that we often sometimes feel we have no control whatsoever. Ever had that feeling? That we are in a situation where we feel like we have no control? 
that's a pretty scary spot, right? So instead, what we should do is we should learn to be proactive because what proactivity does, it helps us expand those two circles. It helps us expand, he's just mentioning circle of influence here, but it's the circle of control that expands as well. By being proactive, we're actually going against some of our inner reactive modes. We can effectively even learn to help us react against the fear with which we are triggered. Okay? And remember, the fear that we have used to be really useful. Back then when there were, you know, saber type, what's the saber teeth, saber tooth tiger? Saber tooth tiger, right? So big scary animals, then the, the, the reactivity was really important because we needed all the blood and all the oxygen in order to run away or fight, right? But for most of us nowadays, if we're still in the workforce, guess what? We actually have the same kind of reaction multiple times a day. Isn't, is there a saber-toothed tiger around nowadays? No, right? Is someone holding a gun against our head most of the time? No, right? We react the same exact way because we have a really difficult phone call or the boss is screaming at us or we get an email that upsets us. We have the same kind of reaction. And so we need to learn to change that. And over that, we actually have control. So, I left you with this last time as well. Circle, influ control, influence, concern. There is something about distance, okay? The further away we see a problem, the less control we have over it. All the problems, the wars, and all the econ economy stuff, and all the, the nature stuff, and everything that's that happening so far away, that's on the right-hand side. It's our concern, and it seems like we don't have a lot of control over, right? And then when it gets a little bit closer, what we have influence over is often when it comes to people, you and I. Relationships, partnerships, uh, work colleagues, teams, groups, right? communities. That's usually when we have a little bit more influence over. And of course, then the last one is ourselves. That's usually the only thing we really have control over, right? Have you ever tried, I mean, most of you probably had kids. Anyone has raised kids? Ever tried to have control over them once they hit teenage years, right? Very hard to do. We can have influence over them, but not necessarily control. You know, I'm, maybe my mom's watching right now. Hi, mom. And she certainly knows there was no way she had control over me, regardless of what she did but she could influence me. And so did my dad. Make sense so far? Right. So we are talking about they, you, and I. And here's something really interesting. Language tells us from which place we're actually coming from. When we are upset and we get really reactive, and then our language, the way we talk is, they did this, and they did that, and they are so messed up, and they are all wrong, and they, 
guess what? That's the furthest away we can imagine. A little bit closer is, that's what happens in, you know, relationships. You did this, and you did that, and you are wrong, and you blah, blah. A little bit closer. We're now getting a little bit more personal. And then there's the last one, I. I did this. I am wrong. I am out of order, and so on. Now it hits us really hard, right? And so we can tell by our language how close and personal something is to us. So I tried to develop a graph to explain this a little bit. So we have us, the single person, no one else, here on the left. And then we have a graphic, an x-axis and the y-axis. And on the horizontal, that's what's called externalization. Or I like to call it outside, the opposite of inside, is when we are focusing on the outside. Okay? We're focusing on people doing everything wrong while we are being right. Ever had that in your mind before? Ever driven in traffic before? Right? That happens to me all the time. It doesn't matter how spiritual I think I am. As soon as I hit traffic, I externalize. You just caught me off, and you should learn how to drive, and why did you not do, you even get a, tick, a, a license, blah, blah, blah. I learned to drive in Switzerland, and Swiss drivers are so much better than you, right? So that's the externalization. Then the internalization, that's the vertical X. That's insight, okay? So the further away the externalization is, that's on the right, and the closer the externalization is, is on the left. That's they, you, I. But still outside. The inside works a little bit different. At the very bottom, there's zero insight. Ever had that? Ever reacted and learned a few minutes later? Ooh, boy. I shouldn't have reacted like that. Where just the animal brain kicked in and our frontal lobe stopped working at all. And then a few minutes later, we realized, oh my god, what did I just do? Ever written an email you wish you could have taken back? Hmm? Well, you guys are all good. No one. Oh, two. Thank you. OK, I was just going to, I'm the only one here. I've written so many emails in my lifetime I wish I could take back out of anger, out of judgment, right? So zero insight is when we have absolutely no insight, and when we are on the vertical axis all the way on the top, then we have a lot of insight. That's when we usually take a breath and start relaxing a little bit and start taking you know, a, a bigger picture of things, OK? So then we have, again, this day, you and I. So you see now, the further away on the right it is, that's when we say, you, you go over there, day there, you know, as far away, thousands of miles away. Not my problem. In the middle there, we have you, no longer thousands of miles away, a little bit closer, but still not my problem. And then we get into the I, where 
oh, okay, I might have something to do with this. Ever had that realization before? Started out with you over there and they over there, they're all wrong, and then a couple of days later, said you there and you there, you are all wrong, and then a couple of days later, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm the one who needs to look at myself. It's the proverbial, what is it? What did Jesus say? Um, what's the idiom in the United States with the, the big the big two by four? Help me. Splinter in the eye, yeah, that's one of them. The other one is, you know, he who has not sinned shall cast the first stone. Kind of like, that's kind of like when we start to, to ask ourselves, well, what do I, what have I contributed? No, there was like, um, don't you have that thing, the being, being hit in the head by a two-by-four? Something like that. It's kind of like we see the other problems, but ultimately we are the ones who are hitting ourselves or something like that. I probably messed this up, but you get the picture. So here's the cool thing. Here's the graph, right? And it's not a linear graph. It's a very curvy graph. And you can see, if you understand this graph, then the further away we are, the less insight we have. And the closer we bring it to ourselves, look at how much insight we get. What that means, and this brings me to the practical application, is whenever we feel ourselves to externalize it to the extreme, where it's all about them, but not at all about us, we can pretty much remember, maybe I need a little bit more insight. And there's even a practice that Ken Wilber does to help us bring it a little bit closer. Rather than externalizing to the degree where it's not about them, not, you know, it's about them and, and not about us, he actually teaches us to bring it closer to at least you and I to have a conversation because you get a little bit more insight about what's really going on. And then as you dive into that insight, finally you get a little bit of glimpse, wait a minute, I might actually partake in this. Then you may be willing to say, what if it's not about anyone outside of me? What if it starts with me? And that's the moment when you gain the most insight. And it's that insight that we're looking for in spiritual practice, is to learn to gain that insight. So we stop being reactive and start becoming proactive. Because with insight, once we understand why we react in the first place or why we have a hard time looking at something, guess what? We are in starts with a C, we're in control, right? Once we bring it into the eye, and once we gain most insight, that's when we are in control. So what to do? Learning to connect and unify, which brings me to the whole topic. And now you'll probably go, oh my God, denial is not denial, what does that mean, right? And I'm looking at the time, 
and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we will have to do another little talk on that, but I do want to skip through this part real quick because I want to talk about the story of Jesus healing a paralytic because it ties into this whole idea and it will explain to you why Jesus was able to heal in the first place. In this story, it says, and some people were carrying to him a paralyzed man lying on a stretcher. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, child, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming, but Jesus perceived their thoughts and said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to stay, stand up, and walk? If you study Jesus, and you don't even have to believe in Jesus, not necessary, but if you look at the story according to the gospel, the so-called healings that Jesus did are not really healings. They're rememberings. Jesus did one thing really well. He saw the truth in someone, and then he told that person to remember that truth. In this particular case, Jesus looked at the paralytic, and he is not holding his hand out. He's not doing any hand healing. He's not putting any ointments on him. He's not trying to get him up or anything. He's saying one true statement, your sins are forgiven. Because he had the understanding that ultimately our sins will always be forgiven if we let them to be forgiven. The other thing he says he encourages the person to get up and walk. There's a couple of stories that are very similar. Another story about a guy who was sitting for over 30 years around the pond, and everyone got healed. He was a healing pond, but he never got. And it's the same kind of idea. Jesus walks up to him. He doesn't put his hand on him. He doesn't help him. He doesn't put any ointments on him. All he does is get up and walk. What did Jesus do here? He didn't buy into the illness for a single thing. He didn't believe that the paralyzed person was ever paralyzed. He also didn't buy into that the paralyzed person may actually judge themselves for being bad, and that's why they're paralyzed. He doesn't even buy into that. Instead, he says, all your sins are forgiven to take away the judgment. And he says, now get up and walk. All the healing stories in the gospel have a very similar pattern. Get up and walk. Wake up and live again for those who are dead. Because ultimately, what the stories are telling us is that's the power that's within us. And you see this here 
very clearly, and I'm only reading the highlighted part. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's a passage that in traditional Christianity we would hear that only Jesus had that power, wouldn't you say? The Son of Man, usually that's a reference to Jesus. Only Jesus has the power to forgive. But see what happens later. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to human beings. It's not just one person who has that power. It's all of us. That's the reality that we learn. We are the ones who can forgive, we are the ones who ought to forgive. We are the ones who may be sinning, yes, but we also have the power to forgive our sins. And we are the ones who may be paralyzed, yes, but we also have the power to get up and walk. But what we need to do and what we need to have is insight. We need to stop externalizing our problems to such a degree that everyone else is the problem but us. Wouldn't you agree? That doesn't lead to much, right? Circle of concern, yes, no control over at the same time. We need to be willing to say, what if I was part of that? Not to judge us even more, but to help us to give us just a little bit more insight. Just to say, what if the problems that I experience have something to do with me also? Just to get enough insight for us to understand that we are very much part of God's creation. In fact, we're not victim to God's creation, but we are so much part of God's creation that we participate in it actively every single day. And then hopefully, we open up our inside even more until we realize, I am that I am. I have the power to forgive the sins I put upon myself. And I have the power to get up and walk. I wasn't expecting to do a part three, but it seems like there will be a part three. So I will leave you with that as we take this into our meditation for today. Just for a moment, take a breath and settle. 
Just whatever makes you comfortable, whatever feels is relaxing right now. The more relaxed we are in heart and mind and body and soul, the more insight we allow ourselves to glean. So let us take an opportunity today, right now, and gain some insight. So we can simply breathe into our body, our mind, our heart and soul, and allow the oxygen, the physical, and the spiritual light fully contain us, fully embrace us. We allow us, we allow ourselves to relax to such a degree that all our worries, all our regrets, all our judgments are just going to be there without any influence over us. We are so relaxed, in, by the way, that we don't even want to fight anymore. In fact, we are saying, I'm not going to fight anymore. I am at peace. Yes, judgments may still be there, regrets, worries, all that. But underneath all that, we get a sense of that ultimate peace, that peace that passes all understanding, the peace of God that is very much part of who and what we are, the kindness, the calmness, the beauty, the grace, everything that we often attribute to something outside of ourselves. Right now, we open ourselves up and learn and see that this is us. We are the calm. We are the peace. We are the kindness, the grace. We are love itself. And now we can step into the shoes of any of the way showers that we may follow. Maybe Jesus or Buddha or Krishna or Abraham or Moses. Confucius, Lao Tse Tzu, whoever inspires us, or even someone is alive like the Dalai Lama or Eckhart Tolle or Deepak Chopra, anyone that we aspire to, we believe, who has this insight into a greater way of being. Right now, we take our shoes off. And for a moment, we're just stepping 
out of our shoes and touch the ground barefoot just for a moment before we step into those maybe appearing much bigger shoes. But those shoes are not much bigger at all. They fit us perfectly. They fit us actually so perfect that we wonder why we ever spent so much money on these shoes that are so tight on our feet. The shoes of the wayshores are the shoes that we ought to use to walk our way. And as much as all these great individuals have shown us how to be great, how to be kind, how to love, how to heal, how to remind each other of our greatness and start to get up and walk and stop sinning and be forgiven for all the sins, as much as we believe only they can do that, we today claim for ourselves that we can do this also. For I and the Father are one, Jesus once said. And if we look into Scripture, then we know that any religion, any spiritual belief has something very similar to be said, that whatever we believe is so much greater than I, than us, is and are the same. And all the works that those individuals that we believe are so much greater than we are and that I am, all those great works, we know that these works can be done by us and greater works so as well. So today is the day for all of us to wake up, to get up and walk. Today is the day for all of us to stop limiting ourselves and start gaining more insight, more insight into the true divinity that is indwelling whether we believe it or not, to gain insight of the perfect oneness with God without which nothing would ever exist, to gain insight into the fact that because we are who and what we are, this world is. we have the power to change, to change ourselves, to change each other, and to change this world. So let us leave this meditation with just a moment of gratitude, allowing ourselves to sink into the loving kindness of our hearts that opens up to the degree that not only our sins are forgiven instantly in this moment, but that of everyone else that we can possibly think about. We're so grateful that we have this moment of insight, of truth, and of knowing. And in that gratitude, we say thank you kindly, and so it is. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org. 